Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the ANN After Show. I'm Lindsay Leverage, and with me is James Beckett. And Yo. today we are going to be talking about a Jujutsu Kaisen movie. We're going to be talking about um, some new anime announcements. We're going to be talking about a particular guy whose entire career is ruined. I know we did that last week, but we've got a new one, so we're doing it this week too. Very uh, different, uh, very different circumstances. Very different some, circumstances. Somehow similar consequences, but okay. Yes, or potentially worse consequences. <laughs> actually, if we want to be honest about it. Um, and we'll also be breaking down the new episodes of Demon Slayer and the new episode of uh, Ranking of Kings. But before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone to please subscribe to this channel. Uh, you want to make sure that you're here when we start. It's 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Mondays every week. So with all of that rigmarole out of the way. Hey, so Jujutsu Kaisen new movie opened on Christmas Eve. Jujutsu Kaisen yeah. Zero, so it's a prequel film, and it is just doing nuts in Japan yeah. right now. I don't think we have a date yet for when it's supposed to be over here in North America, unfortunately. I hope it's really soon, but over in Japan, um, it's sold almost 2 million tickets for its first three uh, opening days, including Friday. And it's in 418 theaters over there. It started selling tickets and selling out even for like the midnight Friday showings to the point where theaters expanded it into more screens, more screens, more screens. And now it's sitting uh, nicely at the second highest three-day opening weekend box office ever. It's just below Mugen Train, which is like the thing to beat. But the fact that something's even coming close to that is just yeah. amazing to me because that was Especially amazing what happened. You know, the fact that it's drawn that big of a crowd in December of 2021. Yeah, that's a that's good for, for Jujutsu Kaisen. That's awesome. Yeah. We've uh Kim Morrissey got to go see it. So she was somewhere in that uh weekend horde who went and, and saw the film. So we should have a review up for it pretty soon. But uh, yeah, about fifteen thousand people watched the film at the midnight showing on Friday. So that's just the midnight first Friday showing earliest you could oh, see it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's well I okay yeah. I haven't I have no idea if the movie is good or not. I'm assuming it is. I, I feel like that's a safe bet. It's probably at least fine if it's going to draw that much box office. But yeah. I, I have come to appreciate Jujutsu Kaisen more and more as you know, I've, I've had time to just sit with it. And just the, the amount of that show that I've just remembered, um, and, and Lindsay, I'm sure you can relate, when you have to watch as much anime as we do yeah. constantly, it's actually really easy to, to completely forget about things that you, you've you seen very recently. Um, yeah. And yeah. I still remember just so much of that show and, and how hype it was and how funny it was. And The baseball yeah, scene is still really good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's still really, really funny. Yeah. Uh, I want to see this um, not only because, like, I think a prequel is a great thing to do for a movie and it's based off a prequel manga. It was sort of like his pitch before, before it got started, but they've also got um, one of my favorite voice actresses is the main character here. She, um, Megumi Ogata, who is also the voice of Shinji and also the voice of uh, Sailor Uranus. So uh, Hanako I mean, from Toilet Bound, Hanako Kun, I do. Yes. Yeah. She's not like in a ton of stuff, but whenever she is, I'm really happy to hear her. So excited to see that when it finally makes it over here i'm sure it'll be 
soon. We've been I getting mean, have, theater yeah. releases a little faster turnaround on those. Yeah, you you young freaking Zoomers these days have, have no idea how ridiculously easy it is to watch anime compared to even when I was a kid. And you had to wait a solid two to three years for a movie to come out if you were lucky enough for it to get licensed. And now yes. we're getting freaking, what, what's it called? The Fathom Events. Fathom like, Events, thank you. The Fathom yeah. Events. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm hoping at least, you know, six months, maybe within the next six months. Yeah, so, yeah, that would be great. It. Or at least stream it. I'd still want to watch it maybe at home. But I mean, the anime theater experience is something else. When I was growing up, you were really lucky if you got to see an anime movie in theaters. And I feel like the only ones I really recall from that period that I got to see in theaters was, I was just not an okay. Um, I got to see Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Okay. And um, the first Pokemon film. And maybe a couple of the other Pokemon films. I took my brother to go see those. Those used to open in theaters and do, at least to my knowledge, like really well. You got a trading card and everything with your ticket. Oh, yeah. And it was a whole it was a whole thing. So, so Digimon got one. And then, okay. at least I think it only got, I don't recall any other Digimon movies ever coming out in theaters. I remember the, the movie because I went totally apeshit for it. Because Digimon. Oh, okay. The Makoto Hosoda one. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it was pretty much just Pokemon and, Gi and Ghibli, like you said. Yeah. And if you were oh, lucky, yeah. like a, you know, one of the more adult ones that they would try to like nab up and, and market to the, the Princess Mononoke crowd, but they never really seemed to hit. Yeah. Or you might have to go to like an art house theater. Like I'm pretty sure I saw Vampire Hunter Deep Bloodlust in like an art house theater in, in Portland. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a the main stream cineplex where I got to see, they did have the Ghibli film and um, Pokemon films and like just in general theaters, but you kind of had to like seek out a few little theaters that might play uh, the other ones. So, oh, you know, Satoshi Kon, you, you'd see him too. I think Paprika oh, yeah. came out. I want to say that came out in theaters for like a minute. Um, yeah. I remember seeing trailers for it at least. So. Okay. Yeah. I never got to see any of those in theaters, unfortunately, like perfect blue in theaters would have been amazing. But. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or just watch your Darren Aronofsky movie and you're fine. <laughs> I did see uh, Black Swan. So same go. thing, right? Yes. There you go. Yeah. Same thing. So uh, in other news, you might be familiar with uh, Tatsuhisa Suzuki. We've talked about him on here a little bit before. Um, earlier this year, the news came out. His wife is Lisa, who I'm sure everyone here probably knows, is at least as the singer behind the hit song from the first season of Demon Slayer that like, just blew up sold tons of copies, it was just everywhere. They had it at the Olympics. Like it was just ended up being a really big deal. News broke that, you know, there was an extramarital affair as you know, what kind of happens with celebrities, but Lisa ended up taking like a break due to fatigue. And then so did uh, Suzuki, but uh, he, his career is just like, it's like circling the drain at this point. Yeah. Like he, he's getting like, he was caught with a gigabytes worth of child pornography or, <laughs> or something really, yeah. really horrible. Instead, you know, he no. had an affair with a woman, presumably in his house while Lisa was on tour, which was, a, I think, another sort of like kind of stab in the back or whatever. And so the Japanese entertainment is, industry is like, mm, you've uh, you've hurt our golden goose here, so you're done. And he's just getting dropped from everything and it culminated within the re most recent week, it was announced that he will be no longer be voicing Draken in the Tokyo Revengers uh, future anime developments. They just announced that they're making a adaptation of that Christmas arc, which I don't remember what the arc was fully, like, fully called, but it insinuated that there's going to be much like fighting on Christmas. It's not like a 
special where it's all the gangster boys Christmas get together Carol, and open presents or anything and sing carols. It's going to, you know, kind of be a showdown. So he's getting dropped as dragon from that. Uh, he's already been dropped from the second season of the Ultraman anime, which is a CG series that's been on Netflix. He's the voice of Alan from my next life as a villainous all routes lead to doom. So they, those two seasons have finished, but there's a movie coming out in that, and there's been some drama CDs, and they've replaced him on the drama CDs. Presumably, he'll probably be replaced in the, the film as well. Uh, they took him out of Pokemon Journeys, and he's also the main character for the misfit of Demon King Academy, and they've taken him out of that. His only really big-name remaining role is Makoto Tachibana from Free. Oh, and um, his music unit is disbanding so he's the singer for old codex which has done themes for uh the free series but also has done themes for kuroko's basketball and other things i think they're actually pretty popular duo nope that's done too i don't know what this guy's gonna do now but he's like person non grata at this point uh, i mean look cheating on your spouse is super shitty and bad like don't do that obviously um like no one's condoning that, but of all the crimes that we've unfortunately had occasion to discuss really frequently, uh, yeah. just talking about the anime industry, this isn't a crime. Uh, it's and it it, is, it didn't even involve anything non-consensual. I mean, I guess other than having an open relationship when one was not approved of, but you know what I mean. Like, it's, yeah, 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 this is the kind of thing that like could make someone's career here in in America. You, you have an affair yeah. with the right person, and you're like a celebrity for the rest of your life. Right. So <laughs> there are some underlying rumors that I won't get into because I can't verify any of them, and I don't want to like feed tabloid fodder if there's not any truth to them about some of the other things that may have went on after the announcement of this affair but again like james said there wasn't any uh like scandalous like criminal elements to it it's just lisa was on tour and it really hurt her feelings and her husband cheated on her with this other woman who at their house and i mean you can not like him for that i mean that's yeah. fine but you heard i listed off everything that's that's happened to him as a result and it's just yeah um do I think uh, Japan is taking marriage affairs too far? This is, I mean, yeah. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a unique situation, really. Um, when there's a high-profile affair like this, there's usually a lot of apologies. There might be lost roles of income. This is the most, the most I've seen, or can recall anyway, outside of someone being found with drugs. If you get caught with marijuana or cocaine, one or joint. <laughs> One joint, one snort, whatever. This kind of stuff also happens in, in that case as well. Um, most recently, I would say go back and look up what happened with uh, Pierre Taki because he got caught with coke, and then like, that was the yakuza were... guy, right? The guy who got who got uh, yes, and yeah. they like took him out of the video game, and he yeah. had like they had uh, like in his hometown some kind of statue or or something. I don't think it was a statue; it might have just been like a small sure. uh, acknowledgement. Yeah, they took it out, like oh, it was good. never there, all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, drug addiction is an actual problem some people have. I don't know, you know, if he was just partying too hard or if he's got addiction issues, but that kind of sucks. So yeah, this is just kind of some of the differences between Japanese entertainment industry versus American entertainment industry. Yeah, I, I've always, to be honest, I've always thought that the, the Japanese entertainment industry, it gets really weird with relationships in general. Mm -hmm. um, just all the drama that surrounds idols, VTubers, even just Not like being allowed like, to date. 
yeah, not not being allowed to date or the the idea that like when someone is single, their their sexual availability is a commodity to be protected on behalf of the the fans Consumer. that want to fantasize yeah. about them. And then when they're married, and I mean, I think you're right that this might be less about the kind of intrinsic sort of ethical capitalism that's going on with, I think maybe it's more that Lisa is probably like the most powerful pop singer in the country. And um, if someone pisses her off, they're probably, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that she was uh, like, you got to destroy this man or anything yeah. necessarily, but, but yeah. But still it, yeah. it is, I think it, it is a, at least coming from a, an American guy's perspective, it does feel a little. <laughs> Nick. No, I don't know what's going on with Robin Thicke anymore. I just remember he got really obsessed with his ex-wife. He made that, was, well, he made, yeah, he made a whole album just like uh, being real, real sorry about um, breaking, uh, being the worst, I guess, about being a creep. And yeah. um, it, it wasn't a great look. It turns no. out Pathetic Loser is not like a marketable persona for a pop star. Robin, Robin Thicke is like the Rob Lowe of pop to me. It's oh, just no. Like, I just don't. No, no. Okay. And then in uh, positive news, we got two new anime announcements that just came out that I'm pretty excited about. One is Odd Taxi is getting a movie, which, yes, yes I feel like, I don't know, I, that was sort of like an underdog show, right? Like when that series premiered, it was by like kind of a, a new director, new script writers. It took a really um, unconventional approach to how it was produced as far as like they got people who weren't really part of the other than Natsuki Hanai, but they got a lot of voice casts that weren't uh, voice actors. You know, they got like real comedians and stuff to be in that show. <laughs> and uh, it just, they didn't, I don't know that they necessarily thought it was going to do as well as it did. Like there was sort of like a crowdfund pre-order situation for its box set. They're like, and eh, if we get like, a couple thousand of this will release a box set for this show. And, and it like blew up, didn't it? it was just yeah, like, like blew up. They made Otakawa plushies and all these other sorts of things. And now we're getting a movie called Odd Taxi in the Woods. And from my understanding, it's not a completely new movie. They're going to be taking the TV series, kind of like recompiling it, but there will be additional footage that takes place after that cliffhanger ending. So if you were worried about what happens to Otakawa after the ending of the TV series, hopefully the movie will answer that. Um, I'm really excited for it. There's already a lot of like cool little details that they're showing in it. Like if you go look at the uh, logo image that they released uh, in the woods is written in like this really awful <laughs> katakana handwriting, which uh, people who watch the series might remember that um, Otokawa himself was said to have like really, really bad handwriting. So it yeah. looks like he wrote it. But yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited about that. That series had a bunch of extra uh, material that wasn't quite as available to English audiences unless you really sought it out. Like there was uh, an ongoing like audio drama that yeah. had to do with that pen recorder that shows up in the series and who was like, how it was getting passed around and what people were talking about kind of behind the scenes and whatnot. Um, so I'd love to see them kind of incorporate some of that stuff in there. Yeah, Odd Taxi, if you haven't seen Odd Taxi, it is... Um... I mean, the, the only way I've been able to describe it succinctly is it's what would happen if the Coen brothers made an anime. Like it is 100%. Yeah. It's like a, it's a mature adult, uh, complicated crime 
black comedy satire yeah. thing. Uh, it's yeah. amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you should, if you've been on the fence about watching it, you should absolutely check it out because yeah, you should it's absolutely really check it out. It's really all the characters have are fully like fleshed out and get their own backstories, but it's not all done through like flashback sequences where like this is the alpaca episode where we find out you know it's like it's all hinted out and you can put it all together it's very dialogue heavy so if you're not um if you have a hard time with like really especially when it's subtitled if you have a hard time with like really really wordy shows i could see that maybe being a a barrier to entry because 90 percent of the show's appeal i think comes from the dialogue and the story that gets you know unveiled in the dialogue and yeah yeah it's for both. There is a for dub both. being produced for it now too. Um, I think yes. by Crunchyroll, so it is getting a dub. Yes. Um, can't remember when that's supposed to premiere offhand. If it, if any of it has premiered yet, but you might want to wait for that, especially if you know, sub, if like reading really quickly is is going to be difficult, and you don't want to end up having to like pause the show a whole bunch to like follow the subtitles. Um, there is going to be a dub coming out, so that might increase your enjoyment factor if that's something that you know is difficult for you but yeah excited about that movie um i don't know i am like i always like dobu i think maybe the best in that show did you have a favorite character for odd taxi i mean autocall was great uh i liked i forget her name i liked the the, the alpaca girl i, I liked her too her her yeah. capoeira bit was yeah. my favorite running joke in the whole show <laughs> yeah um, yeah it all great. Later. Like, it's kind of like ranking of kings where pretty much every character at a certain point, even if you don't like them, you you understand them. Like you were saying, they're like a real person and you understand their motivations and it makes sense within the context of the story. Yeah, and like the social all, media hippo. Yeah. Didn't like him that much, but understood him and I thought he was a pretty good commentary on like the people who want to get famous on the internet. Yeah, or the, uh, yeah, and you know, the, the guy who got whose life ruined by gotcha games. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I felt really bad for that guy. Uh, ben Thompson asked if it was a light novel adaptation. No, Odd Taxi is a completely original series. So it's not based on, on anything. I don't know if it ended up getting, I think it ended up getting a manga adaptation in a magazine that was running maybe at the same time, but um, the anime itself was conceptualized, created first. So yeah, so that one's really good. Another weird show that's getting another season. Um, can't kind of can't believe this is happening. Is Pop Team Epic? Oh, I can believe. Just, it. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, yeah. A, good, a good shit post never dies. And so the 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 it was the the, the absolute is the most Pop Team Epic thing ever is to come back to a world that, in many respects, is probably actively asking for it to not come back, and it's saying, okay. <laughs> "No, I'm here." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for folks who didn't watch the first season, that is also, I believe, on Crunchyroll. I don't even know how to really explain Pop Team Epic. I mean, outside of what you said about it being a, a shitpost. It's based on a manga. It's very, like, absurd and weird. Yeah. And so when they went and did the anime adaptation, they actually got multiple animation studios to do different segments for it. Babune Mimimimi was like one of my favorites, was which was the one that I think was produced by Acebu and just looked like absolute. It looked like a like a drug meltdown or something. Oh yes, the time. yeah, yeah. Babune Mimimimi. Um, but there's no plot. There's not. I mean, 
not really. There's no real overarching plot other than them always trying to like blow up their publisher's building and and things like that. Um, it's hard to know if like things are commentary on things or if it's just commentary on itself. Like it kind of messes with your head. Don't watch it all at once. But it reminds me of something that would have been on MTV in the 90s. Like it's or like really Adult weird. Swim in like the early to mid 2000s. Like you know, yeah, perfect cut. It's nothing like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but if you ever yeah. watched an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where you can tell that everything happening on screen only exists to amuse the people making it, it's yeah. 100% that. Yes, okay, yeah, true. Um, Nick also points out that uh, they had different voice actors every episode to voice the main characters, and each episode was only 15 minutes, but the segments would be repeated um, to fill out the 30 minutes. So the first half of the episode would be voiced by um, women. And then the second half would be voiced by men or might've been vice versa. I don't remember which order it was in. So if you're a weird obsessive like me, you would always watch it twice just in the instance that maybe they put something different in the second half this time around and they never did, but they wanted you to think that maybe this time they would. And so that was Wasn't like every every now and then there was maybe like a line or two that was like there was like a you know it was like a just an alternate line or whatever, but yeah. there was never anything substantial. It was just like right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, um, Carl said they did try airing it on Toonami a few years ago. I mean, yeah, it would definitely fit in the Toonami block now if you knew what you were getting into. I am really curious what like just standard Toonami audiences if they didn't know anything about it beforehand. Like you know, you showed up to watch. Inuyasha or something, and then it's followed by Pop Team Epic. And yeah. Anyway, uh, they also have a uh oh god, I'm gonna mess up his name. His first name is Shoda, but uh there's a voice actor he he uh, voiced, I think, them in at least one of them, but he shows up in the last episode in live action as a time traveler, and that he doesn't have like an alternate character or name, it's just like it's me, and I have um time travel abilities now. And when they announced the new season, they had him lead with it. And he kind of, he kind of became a meme afterwards as well, because of course he did. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, Hellshake Yano. I'm excited yeah. to continue thinking about Hellshake Yano. Never stopped thinking about Hellshake. Aoi Shota. Thank you. His name is Aoi Shota. Um, he always kind of dresses like a figure skater. Um, he's very pretty and charismatic. And he usually stars in like idol shows. Because he's he's a legit singer, so yeah. Um, be on the lookout for that. That's kind of it. What I, for what I had for news, uh, James? We talked a little bit briefly um, before we started recording about you know maybe talking about our most shows we wanted from this year that we missed. Yeah, that we want to go back and catch up on. I thought about talking about our like favorites of 2021, but we have a feature on A and N that's going up all week that will have both mine and James's picks for the best and worst anime of the year. So I didn't want to like give you You'll guys You'll never spoilers. guess what my worst is. None of you will be able to guess. It's a complete surprise. Is this something you reviewed maybe? I, I have no recollection of reviewing any such thing, no. No. <laughs> there is there is a 12 You even got your uh, brain wiped as soon as you wrote the last episode for that. So you never I did. I, I, uh, I went out and got just like 80 pallets of boba and I drank, I, I drank, I, I drank until I could no longer remember the last like six months of my life. Um, so if it happened during then, I don't know. 
But um, I didn't know Bobo could do that. So if you if you drink enough of anything, it'll destroy you. So okay, okay. But yeah, of uh, there are a lot of shows that I feel like I started and then I fell off. But me too. Probably probably go back to what are um what are some oh wait I didn't. What are, well, first tell me what are some of yours, and then I realized I didn't show this wonderful picture of Hayao Miyazaki in CG, so I'll do that next. But what are okay. some of the anime that, you know, you missed this year? So going back and looking at, like, all of the lists and stuff, just, you know, because just to even remember what the heck came out this year, there were so many shows, like you said, that I started and really loved, but then, you know, I, I just didn't keep watching them, usually because I got busy and stressed and overwhelmed. Um mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of, and when you're reviewing, you know, four shows in like any cycle, it's kind of hard to watch anything that isn't just what you're reviewing. Yeah. Uh, the one that came to mind, actually, funnily enough, was um, 86. That was a oh. show where yeah. I, I liked the first episode fine. I thought it was good. But um, everything I've seen, especially um, from uh, a lot of our mutuals on Twitter and, and from the reviews that are on Anime News Network, just really made it seem like a much more nuanced and in-depth and I guess dramatically satisfying show than, than I think what I was expecting after just that first episode or two. And yeah. so that's, that really does seem like a show that's worth going back and getting into just because it, um, it seems to really be taking advantage of its whole, the, the kind of wartime angle that it's, that it's going for. And it doesn't seem to be pulling a lot of the punches that I just kind of assume a lot of shows are going to pull. And so that's that's one that I really plan on going back to is 86. Yeah, yeah. I I need to check that one out as well. I've only heard really great things about 86 and this one that I didn't make time for. Um, and maybe I'll catch up on it when the end of the season finally actually happens because the episodes for the second half keep getting delayed and now they've been actually pushed into March. So, oh, wow. Um, so yeah, if you haven't watched it, maybe now is a good time to catch up on it, but you'll be waiting until March to get the final the final episodes. Um, another one that I should have watched, can't believe I didn't, please don't burn me alive, was uh, Fruits Basket, the remake of Fruits Basket. Like I didn't either. I, I fell off uh, early on in that, and I feel like an idiot for it. Everyone just talks about how great it is, you know, that um, it went past the original adaptation to adapt the whole story. It's getting a movie about Toru's mom, and just that it it really, like, knocked it out of the park week after week after week. And I mean, that's you know, that kind of like shoujo drama. I love that kind of stuff. And we don't get it very often anymore. So um, that's the one I kind of want to get back to maybe early. We'll see after preview guide. Oh, <laughs> We've got right. a whole new season coming in like that's a right. week. Yeah. Yeah. James, you ready? Uh, you said preview guide and I, I blacked out for a second. And so <laughs> <laughs> then I came back. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. Why not? Um <laughs> That would be a perfect time to catch up. Another show that I was, and that's so funny because another show that I completely fell off of, even though I think I, I was one of the highest rated shows on Preview Guide. And I think for me, it was one of like, I think the five out of fives I gave was a Heike story. I just. Yes, I need to watch that too. Yeah. That show's just really dense. That show's like work. Yes. I think yeah, that's why I haven't I did. done I, any of the background research to maybe follow it, um, but it's supposed to be gorgeous. Um, I know quite a few of our reviewers are including it on their list this year. Um, so yeah, again, I didn't watch, I didn't watch that one either. People in the comments are also bringing up Sunny Boy. I fell off of that one about four or five episodes in because it's really, really weird. And um, I kept trying to watch it when I was tired and I'm like, I don't know what, the, what is, what is happening? I don't, 
I usually, I love being confused. That's one of my favorite things while oh, yeah. watching something is just to be like completely caught off guard mm -hmm. um, and do new interesting things. I love the director, uh, Shingo Natsume as well, but uh, I need to go back and finish Sunny Boy. And Nick, I'm ignoring your question because it is an act of assault and I'm drawing up the paperwork to press charges. Yeah. So um, For, uh, I legally can't respond until we get to court. So that's how it's going to go. <laughs> For those who are just listening instead of watching, uh, Nick has asked James which of the five isekai this season he wants to review. Um, All of them. Know th yeah, why not? I didn't know there was five. I'd have to pull up the the list to see what's what's coming out. Oh, are there literally five? I thought he was just being hyperbolic. If there's oh, I'm sure five, I, it seems plausible enough to me that if someone said, there's five isekai next season, I'd be like, okay. Because we've oh, had no. seven at, at one point. So It's just going to get to preview guide week, and I'll just, oh, I got COVID again. <laughs> I didn't think it could happen, but it did. If only I hadn't licked all of those doorknobs. <laughs> Can't oh be helped. <laughs> okay, we'll close out the news section with this great picture of Hyo Miyazaki in CG that one of the character designers for Naughty Dog made. And I just thought it was really good. And people were talking about how, like, oh, Hyo Miyazaki might hate this because he hates CG. And I just want to throw out there, Hyo Miyazaki doesn't hate CG. No. Like, they make CG at Ghibli. Yeah. They um, he well, just his hit... son made a CG movie, so I guess the jury's maybe a little out on on whether. I'm sorry, that was mean. <laughs> but, um... He praised his son, you know, kind of backhandedly for Earwig and the Witch, so he didn't hate it. Um, there was also I can't remember Boro the Caterpillar, which is something that's shown at the museum was actually done in CG or not, but I think it was. So I mean, they do CG there now. Um, the the long-standing thing about Hyo Miyazaki hating CG is in reference to him absolutely destroying a team. <laughs> of CG. They weren't CG artists necessarily. It was an AI project that uh, DNA was working on. And I think the idea was to kind of create mobs or whatever through artificial intelligence. And they, they yeah. showed him this thing that was like a human-like creature, but like the physics were all screwed up because it couldn't figure out how to walk correctly. So it was twitchy and rolling all over the ground. It looked and like something out of the thing. It was genuinely it horrifying. Look, yeah, like it belonged in. He was like, what, what is this? Why, Why are you showing me Silent Hill monsters? I'm Hyo Miyazaki. Um, so he uh, laced into them and told them that he felt that it was an insult to life itself. And also, you know, kind of share this anecdotal story about how he has a friend, I think, who had like muscular dystrophy or something like that. And he felt that the CG was like insulting to people who had, you know, particular uh, illnesses or whatever. And he was very, very angry that they showed it to him. But, you know, the internet being what it is that just got translated to Hyo Miyazaki hates CG, um, you know, and quoting, this is an insult to life itself and using that in out of context situations. But I think this looks really nice and, you know, um, is very convincing. If I you think, told me that like, was a photograph. Uh, I probably would have believed you. I'm... Yeah, like look at the the great texture on the sweater. Like even if you look over here, you can see how it's kind of got that fuzziness going on, like a real sweater. Um, you know, they've got the skin on the hands looks really good. Yeah, I would have thought it was it was legit. Unless and it's not um, moving. And these days, with graphics as good as they are, uh, yeah. usually it isn't until they start to move that you really can pick out the 
the the mo- the uncanny valley aspect. Yeah, where like the mo- movement is almost too smooth or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought it was good, so I just kind of wanted to share that since we've got that up on the site. Okay, James, let's talk about Demon Slayer. It was really weird. This oh, it week. was goofy. It was goofy. <laughs> it was yeah, goofy. goofy is a good word for it. Like, yeah. Goofy. Um, where is? Let's see. Um, and there was a lot. Of, I've got a lot of screen caps because it is uh, nothing if not screen capable. Yes. The show but is the, just filled with good There's pictures. ninja mice and. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So let's the ninja mice. Uh, the muscle mice or the muscular yeah. mice. Yeah. They're um, they they're little roided out anthropomorphic mice with um, flashy headbands and, um, just. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I guess I've been hanging out in the attic, just sort of like holding on yeah. to Inosuke's swords for him. So he just jumps. There it goes. Yeah. Setting me up with these muscular mice. Yeah. I feel like- oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Inosuke, um, and this is completely uh, out of like cr- chronology with the plot. But if you somehow are listening to this without having seen the episode itself, the plot literally doesn't matter. The whole episode is just screwing around for 20 minutes. And then there's a fight scene at the end. But yeah, yeah, Inosuke, in order to get his sword, I guess, um, jumps into the roof of the brothel, like head first. Yeah. And um, he screams for these muscle mice and here they come. These little mice with the swords. These mice make me really uncomfortable. I don't like They talk too. They say muscle. So um, that also makes it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. whole time they're just saying muscle, muscle, muscle. So you know they're they're evil. They're abominations in the eyes of God. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they're not being slain. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. They got a whole umake sequence at the end to explain like how they're recruited into the demon slayer explain. force. <laughs> we we found the most narcissistic mice and like convinced them to start pumping iron. Like, yeah. These mice have OnlyFans. Thank you, Nick, for just always taking it to the next level. It's the I would worst not thing I've heard this way. week, and I would have been disappointed with anything less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of OnlyFans, though, can, can we just talk about <laughs> natural segue? I got to yeah. say, for as She's weird, looking great. 100%. Look at her. And, and, I, and here. And yeah. I, I, you know. I was... Look, I got a lot of screenshots of Daki, okay? I don't know what you want from me. (laughs) I was um, continually impressed by just how open they were. There was no, um, like, I mean, the screenshot you had right before this, it's just like crotch first, right? So, I mean, I was like, okay. It's weird for this show? For this show, yeah, it was a little weird. Since almost every female character has been a child, and thankfully has not been sexualized. Yeah. Um, and then there's Nezuko, who's just in a box forever. That's so and then we have this, happy. where she—I mean, she's literally just going crotch first at these kids. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> "Gonna eat your eyeballs." No. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like then, there must have been uh, someone at Ufotable that was just like. I- after Finally. years and years of Demon Slayer, they're just like, I got to get it out. I need to get, I need to get all this pent up horniness out. <laughs> Finally, my time has come. You yeah. tell me that this this uh, segment all takes place in a red light district. Finally, yeah. finally, yeah. Um, 
Nezuko, though, that still bothers me. Like, there's a whole, like, little kind of moment with Tanjiro uh, facing off here with the, the demon lady. And yeah, we can take the crotch off the screen now. Um, and she manages to slice one of the handles. I don't know. The straps. The straps for. And he, like, apologizes to Nezuko. I have to put you down. I'm like, why don't you let her out? It's dark. She can. She decapitated a man with her feet. What? I don't. Why know. are you not involving her in this altercation at all? So here's I, the thing: they keep emphasizing how, and, and it was funny because at a earlier in the episode, even Uzui himself and the shenanigans, 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 shenanigans. Yeah. Uzui himself. Um, the minute Zenitsu goes missing, which, by the way, can I just say how much I appreciated that? Literally, <laughs> no one gives a shit that he's gone, but. That was, okay, he goes, we'll talk about that after this too. Yeah, go ahead. The minute he goes missing, Uzui's like, you know what? Maybe sending a bunch of barely trained children into a <laughs> red light district infested with murderous demons was a bad idea. Um, especially since I, I'm just now realizing that after everything that's gone down, this could be one of those upper rank demons. And I just like, you know, some nobody, which you think yeah. he would have realized when his three badass ninja wives all disappeared but whatever right. he was desperate yeah. he says he was you know he's a wife guy and he was thinking with his wife guy muscle and yeah. he uh, he basically tells the kids scram get out of here you're gonna die if you try to fight this demon and then we have the demon yeah you know she's not messing around she's turning people into into fabric yeah. Which is an interesting way to, to kill people. It was kind of like a snake, kind of like yeah. devouring and then digesting or something. Something, yeah. yeah. But then we have Tanjiro, who has, again, a, a demon like murder Tamagotchi in his backpack <laughs> at all times. She exists to do nothing but kill. That is yeah. her purpose in this show. She, she can decapitate demons with her feet. Um, yeah. She's virtually indestructible. Uh, she was like one of the only reason he beat the last spider guy before the Mugen train arc. And here he is facing down, presumably the strongest demon that they've uh, fought yet. Yeah. And he just says, don't you dare come out of that box. And no. Stay in the box. Stay in the box. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about this out of order a bit, but James, you know, Zenitsu got captured at, the very end of the last episode and that's kind of where he is all of this episode and uzui shows up and he's like i haven't heard from zinitsu in in so long and something bad's happened to him and he's been captured and you know you guys need to get out of here i'm gonna take care of it and there's like no reaction from inosuke and tanjiro like at all they don't seem oh, there's concerned. a reaction they um they do this they just they, have like they make this, funny faces yeah they just make have like you know, Skid just kind of beats up on Tanjiro and they have this like goofy interaction about how, you know, the demon's at Inosuke's house. You need to come over to where I'm at and help me and I'll meet you there. And But there's no like, oh my God, I hope Zenitsu's okay. Do you think he's dead? Like, you know, there's... After all of the crying that Rengoku got, now in fairness, they witnessed him die. But all of that, you think that maybe they'd be like a little sensitive at the prospect of like losing another major member of their group, especially I would think they're way closer to Zenitsu than they were to Rengoku, but no, no, no. What? Instead we get a nice lecture about the, uh, the ranking system of the, um, 
of, of the Demon Slayer core, and um, and also how I guess they all got tattoos that they can summon to remind them of what they're. Th this felt like a mobile game. Thing. Yeah, like level up like, thing. Yeah. We have a mechanic that we need to incorporate because corporate told us to, and they care more about that. There's even a moment I didn't get a screenshot, but there's a moment where Tanjiro does say, "Oh no." We probably shouldn't spend five minutes talking about the ranking system of the core we're all in. We should right. probably go look for Zenitsu, who could be actively being like drained of his blood as we speak. And then yeah. instead they just do more of this. And they're also screaming really loud about yeah. all of this. Yeah. Like people can hear them. Yeah, they're like, can you guys stop screaming on the roof, please? Stop it. I also liked as a sort of a side thing, um, before she, the other Oiron is captured, uh, Tanjiro has you know some discussion with her, and she's really nice and all these other sorts of things. And she's like, he's like, yeah, I'm really a boy. And she's like, I know, I knew you were a boy since you got here. At I just no you know, point figured you I... were going through some shit or whatever. You know, yeah. I didn't know why you were doing it. That was your own business. I kind of appreciated that even. Yeah. Where she was just like, maybe he is biologically male but if this is what he wants to do you know everyone has their reasons for coming to the red light district i guess yeah yeah and she just like didn't say anything so i thought that was i thought that was funny it wasn't, um, i'm not gonna lie for like the first minute or two of the episode i couldn't remember if there was another oiron like if like if we'd met like each of the houses like oirons or and so for, and you know, she dresses really similarly to Daki. And so I was like, is this, yeah. like, is Daki like, just like pretending to be nice to these kids? What's, and then I realized, oh no, this is just a different character, but. Yeah, yeah, because they have the same hairstyle. They have the same like hair accessories and stuff. I think there might be differences in their kimono or whatever, but um, yeah, I, I was a little bit unsure for the same reason at first, but once she kept talking, I was like, no, her disposition is completely different. I think this is. They, you know, have each yeah. house might have its own Oiron. So, yeah. But, yeah, otherwise, not a lot. This episode ended before the face-off really, really got started. Like, I feel like the next episode's going to open with more fighting. But it also feels... How long do you think that's going to take? I know we've all been kind of trying to figure out how many episodes this is. I'm expecting, like, this showdown to be maybe next episode and another episode after that or something like two uh, that that feels pretty par for the course for this show when it's mm -hmm. like you know when it's a, a really big demon fight we usually get like two episodes depending on now there's not really i guess the the thing that's interesting is for the past few um i mean really for everyone that i can think of each demon has kind of had its gimmick that is sort of uh allowed for the the fight to extend so long you know we have the yeah. drum guy with like the rotating mansion which for my money, I think is still the coolest encounter that the show has done so far. I don't think it's topped that just because that's so creative. But yeah. then we had like the twins um, and they had those interesting weapons like the bouncy ball and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. We had Spider-Boy and his forest clan, which you yeah. know, there's just a lot of variables there. Um, and then in Mugen Train, we had the, the train. Mugen Train. So, you know. <laughs> and so, and for, for Daki, it seems... And they mentioned, I know that um, they mentioned that the, there's like like these tunnels or like these secret passageways that Daki has right. to be using to be abducting people. So I'm guessing that the fight is going to have to transition to a location that is going to be a bit more interesting than just 
the streets of the entertainment district right. or the red light yeah. district. Yeah. But yeah, two episodes, but then what? Maybe like an episode of cooldown or two? Nick says that the fight is the entire rest of the arc, but I don't know how that translates. What does that mean? Into, yeah, I don't know that, how that translates like chapter wise. So, and also how that would translate into episodes. But um, maybe that means we're going to see a lot of cool stuff. What if, um, what's the leader's name again? Michael Jackson. Oh, Muzan? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. he could come back at some point. Yeah. I mean, she is like one of his favorites. Who knows if he's going to show up at some point or another to kind of insert himself because we haven't they haven't faced off against him at all right not to my knowledge no mm -mm. yeah he's just been like in the shadows you know orchestrating things yeah nick says rest of the season yes but i mean like how many episodes are left in the season <laughs> like not I mean, very so many if, if you count so moving moving train was seven and yeah. then we have four now, so we're at like eleven. So I mean, if we have just two more episodes, that make it uh, you know thirteen episode core. Yeah, if that's what they're if that's kind of what they're going for. I have yeah. no. I mean, I don't. I still don't know if they've announced an episode count yet. But yeah, yeah, I didn't know if this was also going to be like a. Oh, it's a full core. Okay, yeah, that's like twelve to thirteen episodes, and not like a, not like twenty four episodes. Like another ten episodes. Wait, so you're wait, saying this wait, is like the, enterta six the entertainment district arc is going to be a full core? That's what Nick is saying. Huh. This fight is going to go for 10. Are you? Oh, no. <laughs> I just, well, I hope um, they continue to uh, innovate then. God help those poor souls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of feeling good. Of a fun scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, it looks like we actually have a lot to look forward to, which means we'll probably be talking about this back to back with Attack on Titan um, when that premieres next month. So yeah. Attack on Titan final season is going to be it's going to be intense. Okay, so that's kind of where we leave Demon Slayer for this week. So now it's time to talk about best boys. Um, I was lukewarm on last week or the week before last episode, last time we were here, but uh, I loved this episode. So this good. Episode so good. perfect. And it, it was, was another, it was interesting because it's another, I would have classified it as kind of another sort of table setting episode, right? They're really establishing this big conflict that's going down, but mm -hmm. Again, I just have to love every character in this show, apparently. And yeah. Yeah. Miranjo is now no like, okay, cool. I guess I love her and Dida both just as much as Boji. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Miranjo's definitely got some kind of larger backstory that was really intense what they hinted at in this episode. Cause this episode yeah. sort of opens with from Dida's perspective, right? So like the first thing we we see is Chubby Dida. <laughs> so cute. So chubby, chubby little Dida playing with his big brother when he was still bigger than him and how uh, both his mother and uh, Bevin's inner or Bevin. I always want to call him Bevin because it's like Kevin, but it's yeah. not Bevin. Um, interactions with him kind of helped formulate his outlook on certain things. Like his mom kind of sets him up to, you know, believe that he needs to protect his his older brother because of his disability and that you know he uh kind of starts to pity him in that way uh it's kind of similar to uh domas 
and probably healing also you know she she underestimates his abilities because she's always worried he's going to hurt himself and things like that so Dida is sort of taught to approach him the same way but Bevin um kind of establishing himself as like a secret MVP here takes yeah. him and he, he kind of sees how Dida is developing as far as his outlook on um poor people uh, just citizens in general who might have different kinds of hardships that he's never experienced it's like I'm gonna take you into town, you little like spoiled piece of shit. And we're gonna we're gonna walk around incognito and you're gonna see how people really live out here. Yeah. And he basically takes him, he takes him there and he meets uh he doesn't meet, but he over he sees uh, a blind man who is walking around and you know, initially he kind of expresses opinion that I remember thinking at the time that it it felt almost a little almost a little like eugenics like where it's like people shouldn't be this way or it's too bad that he's like this or you know he can't it's pitiable sort of situation and uh bevin bevin kind of shows him like you can't just assume someone's equality of life is a certain way just because they're blind or because you know they walk with a limp or anything these sorts of things because we see that this blind man has a you know he is uh interacting with society as a whole he's, yeah, he's getting, getting around. around he's getting around by himself you know he doesn't seem uh personally like he's miserable or uh up, upset with with how he is and he's just managing a different way um so we get we get that portion of it but then we also get um more stuff from inside uh Dida's head where Moranjo actually like shows up and she's wearing this mask and then these sort of like shadow people show up and this, what did you think of that i kind of want to get like your take because it like it starts almost they've uh, ostracized her as like she's yeah. sort of a curse bearer or something like that like it's her fault that all these bad things are happening so they they flayed all the skin off of her face and she's yeah. obviously a child and they cut off her hands. And they cut off her hands. Yeah, so she couldn't fight back. Um, and it, yeah, no, it actually, so I just uh, recently, well, I guess not recently anymore, but within the last like year, I played the visual novel, The, the House in Fata Morgana. Oh, and okay. There's there's a really similar arc, um, and I don't want to spoil any of that game, but needless to say, there, there's a similar arc where there's a character, a young girl who has kind of supernatural powers or people believe she has supernatural powers and it ends up leading to a lot of um, ostracization and exploitation. And it, the House in Freedom Morgana goes really differently, but there's a very similar common thread where, um, you know, you have this, this an innocent person, basically. And, and we see the, the Moranjo, the little child Moranjo of Dida's headspace, which I, I think is, it also implies is connected to Moranjo because yeah, I kind of wonder if this is sort of a, a, a like a mirror dimension or like a yeah, phantom zone. Also, that's like a memory fragment or something that's in yeah. the mirror as as well. Yeah, that he encounters. Um, but there's in that space. But, but there's yeah, and there's this common thread though of like because because she does have magic powers, Moranjo. Like we see that she can control monsters and all that stuff, and and there's the line where the people in the village say when they came is when everything bad happened. You know, we had right. a perfect, wonderful life, but when they arrived. And so it seemed to me that 
either Moranjo herself or maybe Moranjo's people yeah. were either magical or maybe this is one of those scenarios where she became magical afterwards. We don't know yet. But mm -hmm. they blamed her for whatever catastrophe was happening and they basically used her as a scapegoat. Yeah. And I really, I really, I like this for a number of reasons. And I think you, you tied it in perfectly with how the show explicitly connects um, Dida's own personal journey. Because I think what's so interesting is we learn explicitly, because I think we could have inferred this, but we learn like for a fact that Bose is the one that gave Dida the mirror. The mirror. Yeah. And yeah. the mirror's influence is what caused him to turn from um, wanting to protect his brother to um, becoming more self-centered and selfish and looking down on his brother. And so right. we're seeing how, you know, it's, it's this cycle, how Miranjo learned, you know, through whatever happened to her to, you know, hate and, and resent people um, because of their capacity for cruelty, for, for, for hatred, for, for, you know, bigotry, I'm assuming um, some kind of, you know, discrimination against at least Miranjo, if not like her, community or whatever and mm -hmm. that gets twisted in a way that corrupts Dida's innocence where he was he wanted to be the the loyal protective younger brother and it wasn't until you know both and Moranjo's corruption that he got turned into the little little king shitlord that he was and trying I'm still to be like sitting here like what is what is Bose doing like I still like have no idea what I, led Bose to like engage in this sequence of events why did he give him the mirror like why what are his so i'm thinking feelings? now that it's because uh, moranjo says that she knows both but the both she knows doesn't have children and so mm -hmm. i'm guessing that his whole quest to become the strongest in the world and every single thing that he's done up until this point i'm gonna guess that we're gonna see like a flashback episode or something where either they knew each other as children or you know maybe he was like an older person in the village that actually cared about her. And this whole thing has been kind of an extended quest to like right the wrongs done to her. Um, yeah. But then his motivations, I think have maybe become more complicated because of the, the other ties that he's formed. Yeah. Executing that plan. But yeah, it's just, there's so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we see in, in Dida's mind that he, he does take Moranjo's side as well. And that seems to what informs that, seems to be an extension of what Bebin showed him. So his his desire to protect her, I think, is, is the same as his original desire to protect his brother, which is, you know, related to his experiences with people who have been um, hurt or, or ostracized in that way. Um, I need to look more into it, especially before I write my review, but when they showed her without hands, there's actually a Grimm's fairy tale that's somewhat similar to that about... Um, a girl's hands that get chopped off. Now it ties into like um, Christianity or something like that, but she like ends up weeping on her hand, her, you know, the, the wrists, I guess that are left. And yeah. I think eventually even gets her hands back, but that's what it reminded me of as soon as I saw it. Cause there was a fairy tale that has a similar sort of situation about a girl being just like continually uh, kind of like mutilated in that way. It's one of their darker stories, but that's yeah. Um, for the Grim Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is, right? Um, but yeah, I just, I, I liked the development about Moranjo. I, I assumed that she had something more complicated going on because she seemed almost emotionally stunted kind of in a way. She had some childlike uh, 
displays earlier on when she was interacting with Bose and whatnot that made her seem less like this like super genius conniving uh, evil entity and more like a child. Not it wasn't like that when she interacted with Dida, but when she interacted with Bose, she did seem less mature than she did previously. So yeah. I think there is definitely some of that still like pain working with her. But uh, and when she was, we had that scene with um, Apias. I always yeah. forget his name. Um, yeah. Where she also seemed much more, you know, collected and mature. And so I'm wondering if there's like different parts of her, like if that, like if that child part of herself, like is kind of a separate entity that, that has influence in certain aspects or. Like she's or, disassociated almost from it or something like that. Yeah. Cause yeah, they went back to the obvious part. Cause we, we knew that he faced like that. They were making him fight this Griffin down there to strengthen him and that he was too scared to do it and um it actually showed her like kind of intervene when he was uh overdone so that also is kind of it's building off of their relationship why apius trusts her and seems to be so loyal to her uh specifically but um there yeah there's a lot of inner like inner working parts going on right now it seems like there's at least three different groups that may be vying for control over Bosa's kingdom at this point. Um, some of it feels like it has to be staged because Moranjo basically teleports a bunch of high-level criminals out of jail um, in the underworld kingdom where, is it Desha? I always mix up their names. Yeah. Where, yeah. where Desha, you know, is overseeing everything. Um, he discovers that magic was used to get these criminals out. She's taking the criminals into the into the kingdom. Um, and it appears that, you know, there's going to be a coup, but she's working with Bo, so he has to kind of know what she's doing with the criminals as well. But Desha takes that as an opportunity, like, oh, well, you know, we're going to go help get the criminals back and also maybe take over the kingdom while they're there because everyone's going to be distracted. And then at the same time, healing is coming back. I'm not sure. Someone will have to like let me know because I was confused. I'm not sure why she left the kingdom in the first place, like what she was doing out on horseback in her very cute um, armor that I have a picture of here. It's great. Whoops, no, not that one. I feel like that armor, I mean, I'm I'm not a blacksmith, but I've I've always been on those like YouTube videos I see where like blacksmiths explain how armor works. Um, yeah. And like when, whenever anyone talks about like why, why like lady armor in video games, it has like the molded boob pockets is bad. Yeah. It's because when you, you know, when the armor isn't molded to specifically fit the body, that, that just creates weaknesses in the steel. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how protective that's going to be, but boy, it's adorable. Yeah. She looks like a little egg. She, kind she of does. Looks like a little egg. Also, look at her horse. It's the dumbest looking horse I've ever seen. It is. It's great. That looks like horse. That, that horse from freaking Fruit of Evolution. The horse that's like too dumb to live. It's like <laughs> a distant cousin of that. Uh, we got someone in the comments that said she was uh, possibly out recruiting mercenaries, which would be smart. Like, I mean, she knows that Bose is, uh, has taken over her son's body and uh, is possibly attempting to assassinate her. So it would make sense to maybe leave and go get some reinforcements. But yeah, so we've got the criminals moving in. Um, we've got Desha moving in to possibly contain the criminals and take over the kingdom. Uh, healing is on her way back as well. 
and also Boji and Kage are on their way back, but they're with Desha's knights. And they don't know that Desha's knights intend to take, take over. over. The yeah, and you can tell that his lead knight is having some uh, moral conflict about that in general. Because unlike Domas, he has a soul and knows that it's wrong to deceive and hurt our precious Boji. prince. Yeah. Yeah, and Speaking I think of Domas, can I say how 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 amusing it was when we learned this week um, that I think one of the big reasons that Boji struggles so much is that Domas is actually just a terrible teacher. <laughs> like he just doesn't know how to teach. Yes, because he's trying to teach Hokuro how to fight, and Hokuro's like, "You're only doing things based on your own abilities." Like he doesn't account for his students at all, which might be why he just had Boji like stand in a corner and just like. Swing a sword forever. Yeah. Didn't teach him how to do anything. It was. It took Despo one day to be this... like, yeah, strong weapons aren't for you, man. We need to find something different. Yeah. Yeah. And he's on his way as well. So there's probably going to be some, some brother, multiple brother butting head moments between, you know, Dida and Boji and then Desha and Despa. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Again, yeah, another table setting episode, but this one got me more pumped than the last one just because it was like moving everything into place. For And I don't know if we're getting an episode this upcoming Thursday. Oh, um, yeah, because of New Year's. Because of New Year's. Uh, they did release a trailer for the second half of the show that just looks like insane. I'm expecting tons of like back-to-back battles um, they definitely hint that Boji is going to be facing off against like the number one criminal guy who is just like, looks like a dude in steel armor. Um, and he's supposed to be like this wicked good swordsman. So. And wasn't yeah, one of the just... criminals named King Bo? Like, I didn't know if that was supposed to be like a weird I didn't allusion to like Bo, like Bose. Like, are we going to learn that Bose was like. He used to run with these guys before he became the uh, king. Oh, that would be a good twist, especially you know for how they picked them out and everything. But in the in the trailer, it also shows one of the criminals uh, taking Bose's crown and putting it on his own head. Mm. So, but again, I don't know. If that's a huge fake out because I feel like Bose is sort of in on this if he's working with Moranjo. Yeah, and if they're like if they're like his old crime buddies or whatever, I mean, I don't know what a, a literal giant would need with a like a a crime gang, but I just I, when one of them was named King Bo, I was like, that seems weirdly like that's that's a that's too similar to King Bo's to not be like a thing, especially yeah. in Japanese where it's like then you know. Yeah, I also wanted to point out that uh, Desha, like I feel like when we first met him it was less obvious to me how off-putting his face kind of is because he was just like, he had his like um, head in his hand the whole time and he was being kind of a jerk. But now that we've seen like more of him, his mouth is like permanently like a giant rectangle. Yeah. Like a rounded rectangle that sticks off the side. I love his character design. It's just, it's really amusing to me. So The show yeah. just has Ace's character designs all around. Everyone, everyone's silhouette is like super distinguishable. Um, it's simple, but you know you get everyone's personality just by looking right at them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for us to see those people from the other kingdom that we saw, like in episode two or three, the ones who like killed Kage's clan. Yeah, and then we also saw that little girl who they 
treated her like she was weird or something and she helped Kage escape. I feel like they got to come back eventually. Like I their know. character designs were too distinctive to just be random, I thought. Yeah. But, I, I, the, I say this every week, but this show has done such a freakishly good job of paying off like every little bit of foreshadowing and every little bit of, of you know, plot seating for like four or five episodes in advance. I would be shocked if, I mean, I guess maybe it could be one of those scenarios where they're adapting stuff from the manga that like won't necessarily get covered in the material that we get. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't seem like this show style. It's been too tightly constructed so far. Yeah. And as far as I know, the manga is still running. So I'm hoping this becomes like, well, I hope there's a big payoff when the season wraps, but I also hope that um, if there is a second season that it's able to continue because that's always, that's always the thing is like they do the first 24 to 26 episodes. It's amazing. And then it's like, can you get the exact team back to put that magic in a bottle again for another six months runtime or not? But and that's where yeah. we find out that MAPPA is going to do season two. <laughs> Again. Oh, don't put that out. With leftovers forever. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I hope everyone has a a happy holiday, had a happy holiday, and has a happy new year. And we'll be back um, tentatively January 3rd, although I am planning for a trailer watch party for the winter season to be coming up around that time. I'll have more details about that hopefully very soon for everyone. Um, make sure to keep checking out an- back at Anime News Network this week to see uh, all of our top picks for the best of 2021, as well as you know the worst picks for 2021. And then yell at us when you think we're wrong, because that's that's why we do this, isn't it? Um, I, I I live for people that tell me why I'm a stupid idiot that should be fired. It's it's my favorite thing, actually. I didn't even need to be paid. That's just a bonus. I promise, James, I'm never going to just take you off a show because someone on Twitter is mad at you. But <laughs> at this point, it's just, yeah, par for the course. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. And bye. Peace out. <laughs>